And welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Coming to you guys, wherever you may be, however you may be listening, man, we definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out. Once again, on today, man, we got a fired-up edition to talk about today. Of course, I am Josh Midget, along with the Deliberation Sports crew, Evan DeVold and Justice Bolden. Y'all stay, keep it locked, man. We definitely appreciate y'all for downloading, checking us out wherever you are. And we're going to just get right into it, man. Uh, Justice, let the people know how they can follow all things Deliberation. They can follow us on Twitter at DeliberationSP1, Instagram and Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also had a Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. Uh, in addition to that, they can subscribe via Anchor Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Podbean and Pocket Caster as well. Just look for Deliberation Sports Podcast. That's it. That's it. Follow us. Check us out. Download, subscribe, so you will know every time we drop a podcast. So, guys, man, I think it's pretty obvious what the big storyline is right now, and that is the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, and uh, now in the center of the universe, Anthony Davis. is. Uh, looks like he is, uh, I don't know if we could say officially, that he's a Los Angeles Laker. I know that it can't happen until July. Uh, but for right now, it seems like the trade, everything has been agreed upon as of right now. So this makes for an interesting bit of news before the draft. So uh, first of all, whoever wants to just uh, break down what exactly happened in this draft, then we can dive into it from there. Well, we do know that uh, Anthony Davis, uh, superstar in New Orleans, has been traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for the rights to Brandon Ingram, three first-round draft picks, mm-hmm. Josh Hart, and there's one other piece, Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Ball. Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Lonzo Ball. We've already heard LeVar chime in on that. But mm-hmm. with that trade, uh, the – Pelicans add to what has already been a, a big-time summer as they were lucky enough to land the number one pick, which we all expect to be Zion Williamson. So that's pretty much what we got right now, Josh, Evan. Man, it's big blockbuster deal. It's one of those, you know, it's not really a surprise because we knew this was going to happen eventually. Um, me, I was kind of surprised that it, it came along already. You know, I was thinking it was going to take at least a little bit longer. But, uh, Evan, man, how you feeling about how the trade went down? Well, are we going to give the grades now, or are we going to give them a little later? Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to give the grades now, go ahead. Well, I, 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 yeah. I'll, just, I'll just give my breakdown real quick, man, because I know yeah. we're going to get the grades. Now. Um, mm-hmm. I think, first off, you know, not to sound harsh, but I think anybody who says that the Lakers gave up too much uh, – they're borderline insane, or they just don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I, I argue with a guy. He, he, I'm not gonna call him by name because he's my partner. I love him to death, and but he was just, you know, he 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 asked me. He said, "What has Anthony Davis done in the NBA?" Said, okay, what five, six time All Star, three times first team All Defense, uh, three times led the NBA in blocks. I mean, the is the, that all? Picture. Yeah, all I mean. Did. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm like, the man is literally a top five player in the NBA. So if I came to you, Josh, and told you, hey, you could give me three players 
who are unproven and in three years never been to the playoffs, not only that, in three years never even had a winning record, never had a winning record. Mm-hmm. And I will give you a top five player in the NBA. Now, Josh, I know you didn't go to Harvard. You know, you're not a Princeton grad. But I think you would have took that trade. I think you're smart enough to do that. Oh, the, Lakers did not, the Lakers did not give up too much. All right? They gave up what they needed to and end up keeping their best young asset in Kyle Kuzma. I yeah. think this is a win for the Lakers. Now, people are yelling about the top, you know, the, the three first-round draft picks. That's fine. Look. Only one of the of the first round draft picks would be a really good pick, and that's in this year's draft, the number four pick. And after the first three picks, a lot of people feel like the draft kind of takes a bump down. So the other two draft picks, if they are good, that means Anthony Davis and LeBron fail. Okay? Mm-hmm. Those Laker teams in the future, when those first round draft picks will be used, will more likely than not be playoff teams. So you're looking at what, low twenties, mid twenties first round draft picks? You can have those for AD. You can have them. I would love to give them to you. So I think the Lakers did a great job. You know, Rob Polinka, Jenny Buss, whoever else helped out. Hell, if Magic got on the phone and helped out again, I don't know. I think they did a great job with landing that. Now, as far as the Hornets. David Griffin. I mean, the Pelican, I'm sorry. David Griffin has done a hell of a job as a GM. He did a great job bringing the championship to Cleveland, and he got a nice haul for Anthony Davis with the Hornets. He got a young playmaker in Lonzo Ball, who I feel like he's going to be able to get let loose in New Orleans. He got um, Brandon Ingram, who who is a guy who has so much all-star potential. But it's kind of Rudy Gayish to me because he has it, but he just refused to be great. He just refused to be great. So hopefully – uh, Alvin Gentry down there can help just push him to all-star cap- capability because he has the, the talent level. And uh, you, you bring in a guy like Josh Hart, who, you know, he's not a guy who's going to give you 20 or 30 a night, but he's going to be a good glue guy. You add that in with Drew Holiday. Unfortunately, they lost Julius Randle, uh, who's, who, who declined his player option uh, earlier today. But that's still a nice core when you're going to bring in Zion Williams. Now, I'm going to let you go because I know I'm being kind of long-winded. If I am David Griffin, which I heard that he's doing right now, I am dangling that number four pick to every team that's trying to get up in the draft. I am dangling it, trying to get me another solidified core piece with this young group, notably a veteran probably in his sixth or seventh year, and I give up the number four pick because if I don't think I can get another superstar, I give it up to give me a core piece who's already been productive in the NBA. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Justice, man, what, what do you got to say to all that? And what are your your initial uh, thoughts on how everything played out here? Well, first, for the for the Lakers side, I, I think this was something they almost had to do. When you look at LeBron James and, and where he is in you know, year 15, 16, uh, it, it was Anthony Davis or bust almost for them because LeBron needs a running mate and a younger guy who can – who can lead, and we know Anthony Davis, while he hasn't taken a team deep in the playoffs, as Evan alluded to, you know, he's been on the all-defensive team several times, uh, probably one of the top five defensive players we have in the game, um, all-NBA. He does just about everything inside, outside. Uh, he can defend the pick and roll, switch off, play multiple positions. Uh, and so it, it was, like I mentioned earlier, it's just something that the Lakers had to do. And 
throughout the history, when you look at the Lakers organization, they somehow managed to, to land uh, these elite players in their prime. Uh, if you go all the way back to when they landed the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks uh, Lou Alcindor, uh, who eventually became uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and won five championships alongside Magic Johnson, another guy who was playing at uh, Michigan uh, – well, once he left Michigan State, uh, ended up with the Lakers, and I think they acquired him through the draft. James Worthy, uh, another guy who was uh, – and all-star level player coming into college out of the University of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Just throughout the years, the Lakers have managed to get those guys, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Pal Gasol. They, they've managed to get elite guys when they needed them. Uh, and, and then, of course, Le- landing LeBron James this past summer. So w- I think when you look at them now, uh, they're going to be major players in free agency. If you miss out on Anthony Davis, I don't, I don't know what you're able to get. But adding Anthony Davis, you know, there's guys like Jimmy Butler out there. Uh, we know the, the Lakers are going to be aggressive about trying to get a point guard, whether it be Kimball Walker, uh, who could stay in Charlotte. There's Mike Conley who's out there. Um, but clear the Lakers have done um, what the fan base was looking for. The fan base wanted a big splash. And you, you see the tweets. You see the Facebook out there. Uh, you, you've heard from Laker Nation, and they're excited about uh, landing Anthony Davis. Now, on the flip side for New Orleans uh, Pelicans, who we know will add Zion Williamson, even though you're going to be losing uh, Julius Randle, I think it's clear that Zion was going to move into that position anyway as a power forward. You bring in Lonzo Ball, a guy that's going to be able to get Zion the ball. If he's healthy, Lonzo is capable, I think, of doing much more than he did with Los Angeles, especially without all of the, the hoopla, whether it's surrounding his father, LeVar, LeVar just being in Los Angeles. I don't know if he was quite equipped or ready for that as a young point guard, but going down to New Orleans, there's going to be less expectations. Ed been talked about um, Brandon Ingram, who he does have all-star potential. Uh, still at worst, 18.5 rebounds, and he's going to be a guy that can come in and be a reliable scorer for them. And then you look at Josh Hart, who can come off the bench or you know play that starting shooting guard position. Uh, he's a guy who, who we saw next to LeBron and Kyle Kuzma could really fill it up and make shots. And then you add in four first-round draft picks. First-round draft picks are almost like gold in today's game. And so that 2021 pick, we know that it's a protected pick, top eight, but it becomes unprotected in 2022. Now, we assume that the Lakers are going to do well and they'll be in the playoffs. But I think when you look at the the picks that could be, whether in 2023, uh, 2024, or 2025, those are the picks that I think you look at if the Lakers strike gold, and, and let's say they do, go on to win championships or, or be a really good team. At some point, Anthony Davis is going to be moving on. And so that's when you wonder, the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in the past six years. Now, of course, now that LeBron James is there and he's added some help, you expect him to do so. But as we saw with the Brooklyn Nets, who gave up a ton of picks to Boston, Boston has, has somewhat still been reaping the benefits of that, even though um, with Gordon Hayward going down, they weren't able to get to where they want to get. I think if he's healthy um, in some things go different ways, maybe they get a little bit further. But both teams, I think, made out good. Long term, we won't know for years uh, about this trade, at least on the New Orleans side, because it's likely going to take them some time. But the West is now wide open, especially with uh, Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant going down. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this thing go. But uh, but I would, I would say that both teams uh, made out well in this trade. Yeah, no question. I don't think you guys could have 
laid it out any better. I mean, you, you look at it from both sides. I think both got what they needed and wanted out of the situation. And the biggest win for me, you know, like I think Evan brought it up, was keeping Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers. That makes them, even as they are right now, and of course they still need to fill in around those guys. But as they are right now, they are a matchup nightmare. I mean, there's just those three guys alone can do so many different things. They're long, athletic, they can shoot, they can handle the ball. I mean, it's just, you know, creates a matchup nightmare for no matter who uh, they go up against. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams just respond just based on that alone. But, um, yeah, man, and, and I'm really interested to see if Brandon Ingram, as far as the, the Pelicans go, can he develop into that guy. The Rudy Gay comparison was was uh, really good as well uh, when it comes to that. So we'll see. But as far as the next step for the Lakers, who do you think, you know, will most likely be that next guy that the Lakers end up getting? We know who's out there in the running, um, you know, with the, the Jimmy Butlers of the world. Some people are talking about Kimball Walker. Um, who should the Lakers go after and who will they get? Those may be two different answers. But whoever wants to get that first. Yeah, I, I'll take that first. Uh, All right. Kyrie just fired his longtime agent and signed to Rock Nation. Right? And anybody knows Rock Nation is a is a Jay-Z company, and anybody knows Jay-Z rubs Brooklyn to the death. Yep. So that's where the Brooklyn Nets come from. But I think the Lakers should go after Kyrie. And I think they're going to land him. Uh, a vet in the game, David Arridge, came out today and just basically squashed all the it's a foregone conclusion rumors that he's going to Brooklyn. He said the Lakers are very much in play. And if David Arridge said it, I mean, the guy's just as credible as any other analyst Absolutely. out there. Uh, I, I take that as face value. I believe it. Uh, I think Kyrie with LeBron and AD will work out perfectly. Here's why. AD is not an alpha dog. He doesn't come off as a guy who say, hey, man, I need this to be my team. Yeah. He he welcomed another all-star, DeMarcus Cousins. And I think DeMarcus Cousins, before injured, was taking more shots than AD. I think that he will welcome a combination of LeBron and Kyrie. We know LeBron and Kyrie will work together. They've won an NBA title together. Kyrie just didn't like not being the only guy who could shoot the ball. Now he's hit up LeBron and say, hey, man, I see what you were saying. I get it now. So I think they should go out to Kyrie. I think they land Kyrie, and I think they will be the 2020 NBA champions. Hmm. Big statement. Justice, what do you think? Who do you think I mean, they you should go it. after? Go ahead. Well, I, I agree with Evan. You definitely got to go after Kyrie Irving. I mean, to be honest, LeBron James at this stage in his career he needs a guy that's going to be able to take that burden of putting the ball on the deck and really running the team. I think at this point he, he's got to say utilize his energy better. Let me put it like that. Uh, we saw with Michael Jordan, as he got later in his career, and even Kobe Bryant, they became more efficient about just getting the spots and just rising up and shooting, not doing as much where uh, if you look back at LeBron early in his career, taking it coast to coast off the glass. I think he, he wants to do less of that. And who better to take that weight off his shoulders than the man who's already done it, Kyrie Irving. Uh, we saw what he did to Steph Curry uh, a couple of playoffs ago when, when uh, Cleveland was able to get that title. Kyrie is capable of, of still doing that at a high level. It's just 
where he struggles is getting other guys involved. But LeBron James, uh, being as uh, unselfish superstar like he is, he's going to be able to do that for him. So I think if they strip, if they somehow strike out on Kyrie, Kimball Walker is the next guy. And and if you don't land either of those two, and you end up with Jimmy Butler instead, I think um, you got to be somewhat disappointed uh, in that. Though uh, you could probably go out and get a, a veteran free agent point guard on the cheap. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Kyrie Irving is going to be a major player for that uh, free agent spot that the, the Lakers have where they can give out a max. Yeah, no question. I mean, you, you talk about disappointment. I mean, outside of Kemba and Kyrie, I mean, I'm just looking at the free agent list. I don't know who the next guy would be. What, uh, Rondo would have to bring him back or Darren Collison? Well, I like Collison. You know, I think he's a good player to have on your team, but I don't know about being the go-to starting point guard, you know what I'm saying? So that's uh, definitely extremely important when it comes to what the Lakers need to do. Now, let me ask you all this. When, when you talk about the shifting landscape of the NBA, you know, it, since these injuries happened in the finals, you know, with Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson, and it looks like, you know, these weren't just injuries. These are injuries that are probably going to keep these guys out all of next season. How does this affect the landscape currently, especially when you're talking about a Lakers team that's out here making moves? Is it reasonable to say, uh, especially looking at the Vegas odds right now, uh, they already jumped to the top of the list, that the Lakers – are in control of their destiny right now. Uh, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. They're in the, yes, they are in control of their own destiny. When you break it down, uh, Anthony Davis, he's, he's going to uh, turn down his $4 million uh, uh, bonus kicker. Uh, yeah, so, trade. It's, it's, mm-hmm. trade kicker, I'm sorry. So, what you're going to get is you're going to have the money available to offer a big time superstar at max deal. So, what you have is, is Rob Palink and Jeannie Buss going to be able to go get another superstar? Can they convince them to? Well, I'll tell you what. I consider Kimbo an all-star. I consider Kyrie an all-star. I consider Jimmy an all-star. And they have made a statement saying they're going to go hard out to Kauai. I consider him a superstar. So if you strike out on all four of them, you don't deserve nobody else. So, yes, they control their own destiny. You look at AD and LeBron. Those are two of the top five players in the NBA. You already got them on roster. Yes, they control their own destiny. You look at the coaching staff. That is a very underrated thing in the NBA. Coaching does matter. You got Frank Vogel as your head coach. He took the team all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals when he was coaching the Indiana Pacers. You got Jason Kidd as your associate head coach. He's taken two NBA franchises to the playoffs. You have Lionel Hollins as assistant coach. He's taken a team to the Western Conference Finals. You have the coaching there. Those guys know how to win. And not only that, you have a Western Conference that Clay and Kevin Durant might not play in next year. Yeah. So, yes, they do control their own destiny. If the Lakers do not at least minimum make it to the finals, and I don't see nobody out east who can stop them, if the Lakers get another all-star, don't even have to be a superstar, they get another all-star, and they don't win the NBA championship next year, the whole coach staff should be fired in the front office. Mm. I honestly agree. To it, uh, I, I hate to say that, but I, I, I think that's not uh, unreasonable to say. Uh, just it just lines up too perfect. Yeah, for real. I think if LeBron James was younger in his career, 
that would be just a hundred percent statement that if if it occurred, I, I would agree. But at this stage, it's difficult for me to say that if they don't win the NBA championship. Now, provided Evan adds that if they add another All Star, um, but when you look at Anthony Davis, he had another All Star with him in New Orleans, and he wasn't able to do much. Now, of course, they ran into uh, the Golden State Warriors, and that's the the year where they were both healthy in the playoffs because I think him and also Drew Holiday battled some injuries. But Anthony Davis, while he's a superstar, is still unproven in terms of being able to win. And now he'll have that opportunity in Los Angeles next to LeBron and, and whoever else they're going to add. We got I can't forget, Kyle Kuzma is a player that could develop into an all-star level talent himself. Definitely. definitely. So he's also somebody you got to forget. You can't forget about. I, I really wish they would have kept uh, Zubac at center because now it, it appears that they're going to have to add somebody else, I guess, behind. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, but I, I think they, they they got a good shot at, at being right there for the NBA championship next year. Vegas is usually not too far off, and, and uh, the money is trending their way. It's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I want to throw, throw something in in that. Yes. When you're talking about LeBron and his age, let me, let me hit you with this. This is a guy that everybody says is on decline. He averaged 27.4 points a game. 8.5 rebounds a game and shot 51% from the field. That man balled out last year. Now they set him. So he's rested up for next year. The guy we all know has a tremendous work ethic. And we know how hard he rehabs and trains to be fit in the offseason. Anthony Davis is the best player, well, will be the best player LeBron has ever played with. When he got with D-Wade, he was trending down. He kept getting injured. So he didn't play with the with the D-Wade that killed Dallas in the NBA Finals. All right. Chris Bosh, he was never better than Anthony Davis. Yeah. Kyrie is not better than Anthony Davis. So you're not asking LeBron to hold a team on his back like he had to in the latter stages in Miami and like he had to do uh, with Cleveland for so many years. He's going to be able to take a backseat and say, AD, do your thing. I know you got us tonight. Let them add another guy, even if it's Jimmy, which I think they'll get Kyrie. But let's just say they add a Jimmy. Jimmy is another guy you could turn to and say, go give me 30 tonight. I need an off night. And let them go get Kyrie. Hell, you ain't got to tell him to shoot the ball. You have to ask him to stop. So I think that's why I say it fits perfectly. And then you have the coaches on the bench. You got a, a, a guy like Lionel Hollins who don't mind telling Jordan himself, hey, you need to do this. You got a Frank Vogel who's coached all-stars who I've heard guys on this podcast call the two best two-way player in the NBA and Paul George. You have a guy like Jason Kidd who's coached and played with all-stars. So I think they have the right personnel and tech to make this championship run. So I, I, I stand on what I say. Everybody got to go if you don't win the championship and LeBron and Clay out. You got to you got to win it. <laughs> if there's something that's encouraging for uh, the Lakers when it comes to Anthony Davis's injury history, I think it's the fact that in 2016-17 and 17-18 he played 75 games. Now last year we know he only played 56 games, but a part of that when he was healthy, I think the Pelicans were kind of holding him out when they were going through that that internal dispute. But uh, well, just the 75 he, games, not bad. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, that that's the counter to to him, you know, being off injured. I think it was, you know, when you look at it, his first couple years, 64, 67 games, 68, uh, 61. That's his first four seasons in the NBA. Did play 70 games. 
But when you look at the the last three, with the exception of last year, he did get in 75 games. So that, but that's the type of impact they're going to need because we know through the maintenance plan that LeBron James is not going to play 82 games. It's likely that uh, the Lakers would probably prefer to keep him around the 68 to 72 two game mark where he gets that that rest. And um, I mean, we saw Kawhi Leonard do it uh, this year with Toronto, and it, and it paid off big with an NBA title. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if that could, occurs next year with the Lakers. But I wouldn't be surprised if both uh, LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis, to a certain extent, aren't uh, in a some type of maintenance program to protect their legs for the playoffs. Definitely. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for a short commercial break before the next segment of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Definitely. So... With all that being said about the Lakers, now I brought up the injuries about uh, KD and Clay. How does this all affect the free agency of, let's talk about another team who was, you know, in the top five of the Vegas odds, I saw the other day, was the Los Angeles Clippers were in that top five. Now, they were considered and still are, of course, they got a ton of money to spend, um, a lot of promise from last year. How does all this affect Vince? You know, because you still got Kawhi out there, you know, um, who just won a title and showed the difference he can make on a team. I'm sure Evan's gonna gloat on that, gloat on that point at, at some point. But you got that that aspect of it. Um, you still got some other players, Jimmy Butler as well. Does this um, the atmosphere now? How does this? Where do the Clippers fit in this whole uh, situation? Well, I think the Clippers fit just fine because if you ask me, I think they're going to get uh, a guy who I think uh, has proven that he's the best player in the NBA right now, and that's Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I think they land him this summer. I don't think Kawhi go back to Toronto. Um, I think this was kind of a flex season for for Kawhi Leonard. Like, okay, y'all think I'm I'm faking injuries? Y'all y'all must forgot who I was. Y'all must forgot I'm a Finals MVP, and y'all must forgot if it weren't for uh, me getting hurt by the Warriors intentionally, uh, they probably wouldn't have won the title that year either. So let me show y'all who I am. I am Kawhi. So I just think this year he just wants to just flat out ball, and he's earned his right to decide where he wants to go. And I think everybody knows that's back home in California. I don't think he wants to be a part of the of the hoopla wave out there in Lakerland. I think yeah. the Clippers is more of his mode. And I can't say I too much blame him uh, because if the Lakers lose last year, next year, everybody's overrated and everybody's sucking. It's everybody's fault. All right. So I think Kawhi will fit good in a Doc River system. Everybody knows Doc River. Those teams him and Tom Thibodeau had when he was Doc's assistant coach, they just played defense. And Kawhi fits the mode. He is a Doc Rivers type of player. Uh, I think the Clippers can land him. And I think the Clippers might land another one, man. They could, they, they might not get one of the top four or five, but Kawhi is a very intriguing player to play with. So if they land Kawhi, uh, 12 o'clock midnight on the first day of free agency period, if I'm Doc Rivers and I, I got Jerry Riss as my guy who's running my, my front office right now, I'm at Kawhi door at 1201. Mm. Yeah, can you imagine if that happened? Los Angeles will be the center of the universe if it isn't already, but then you, you have both the Clippers and the Lakers as title contenders. I don't think that's ever happened. Uh, that's, that's that would be insane. Uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and could you imagine, I don't know how feasible this would be uh, as far as the financial situation, but would it be possible for them to get Kawhi and Jimmy Butler? They probably could do it by going well over the uh, salary cap. Yeah, yeah. But just imagine that. You get offense and defense to already a team that's gritty as it is. I mean, that's that's the perfect um, polar opposites uh, with the two teams there in the same city. That, that would be interesting to me. But, Justice, go ahead. Kawhi has an a, a option, though, and I think it's one he's going to decline, and that's the player option. And I'll, I'll give you 21.3 million reasons why. Uh, but mainly, I think it's, it boils down to money. Uh, if you opt in to that one-year deal with Toronto, 21.3. If he opts out, uh, he stands to make a big payday. And at 27, with two NBA Finals MVPs and two Defensive Player of the Year awards, Kawhi's earned that right. And so this is his time to go out and whether – if he if he remains with Toronto, you know there's the opportunity for the max or the super max. But if if he heads and, and moves on, uh, he's still likely to get he's going to get a max contract wherever he goes. As Evan mentioned, this is the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, I think he's he's taking the mantle from LeBron James just due to um, age. And then when you look at Kevin Durant, who was also in the discussion, uh, that injury effectively takes him out, and uh, we don't know what type of player he's going to be when he comes back. We expect he'll be still a, a top-ten caliber player, but uh, we haven't seen a, a player go out with an Achilles injury and come back and, and reaffirm his status as a top-five player. Dominic Wilkins is probably the one who uh, got hurt and, and fell, I guess, victim to that, that Achilles injury. He had a big-time season, but he was just never the same. He was never the explosive uh, Dominic that he was before. Same, same goes for Isaiah Thomas, but Kevin Durant does it at, at a time where um, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin Durant is 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's not necessarily a spring chicken, but with the way he plays the game, I think he would have been able to play at a high level for another five to six, seven years because he doesn't necessarily rely on athleticism. So for those who are looking to him to come back and regain his status, that may be something that is, that's encouraging. But uh, Kawhi, I do expect him to uh, head to Los Angeles and sign with the Clippers. I'd be surprised if he ends up with anybody else other than the Clippers. And, I mean, him going to the Lakers, that would just shock everybody. But it seems like he's a guy that wants to stay out of the spotlight. We saw uh, during the uh, press game conference or post game uh, for the NBA Finals, he literally walked out of the press game or the the presser without the final MVP. That just lets you know how much that meant to him. He he didn't even care. He just left it behind, and it was like, okay. So – he even celebrated. They win the championship, and you see, you hear the buzzer sound. He celebrates all for two or three seconds. He realizes that he's celebrating, and he kind of he stops. <laughs> so uh, Kawhi is just a different guy. We haven't yeah. seen a superstar like him, and uh, he just goes about his business. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see if he if he lets it out a, a bit during Monday's uh, parade in uh, downtown Toronto near City Hall. Yeah, that's gonna be. Go go ahead. Yeah. You, you're talking about <laughs> – this was so funny to me, man. You're talking about Kawhi celebration. All right, you guys know when the buzzer expired, man, and and people before the referees went back and put time on the clock, they were celebrating. Yeah. The funniest part about it was, man, Kawhi was asking for his free throws on the hand one. Yeah, like, I saw that. 
<laughs> we ain't finna celebrate trying to get my free throws, bro. But, like, <laughs> dude, just, he a different cat, man. I'm seeing her crying, laughing, like, this man ain't stunned the championship right now. He won his free throws. But I, I do want to say this, just as you, you made a point that I didn't even uh, pay attention to. I, I just looked up KD's age. Uh, in September, before the NBA season start, even starts, uh, he would turn 31. So coming off an Achilles injury, he will be 32 in that following wow. season. You're absolutely right. He won't be a spring chicken. That's I still want to put KD in kind of like the 28-29 mode for some reason. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. that's a damn good point, bro. That, that he will not be a spring chicken. He will be 32 years old. And uh, this ain't the 90s, man, when they're playing 20 years like Pat you and them outside of Vince Carter. 32, uh, you're an OG in the game, man, in the NBA now. Definitely. And, I mean, and that's a major injury. I mean, it's no joke to try to come back from. Uh, and I think that's why everybody's been so emotional um, with watching how this all went down. So I'm going to ask you all this. This is kind of off the free agency topic for a second. But it was so many people talking about it. And I've been wanting to get you guys' opinion on it. When it comes to injuries and players and teams and the thought that players are weak if they don't come back at a certain point from an injury, all those things, you know, we, we all heard what was going on with, with Kevin Durant and the rumors that certain players and even people from the team were kind of um, feeling he wasn't doing everything he needed to do. You go back to the year before with Kawhi and San Antonio, people are still holding grudges because he didn't feel comfortable coming back when other people felt he should have. How? What do you all think about that dynamic when it comes to uh, players and injuries? Uh, we see what happened with KD trying to come back, and now, you know, it's putting some aspects of his career in jeopardy to a degree, and money as well, um, whoever wants to take it. Well, well you, you hit two different sides of this. I, I'm an uh, avid listener of uh, NBA radio, and, and Eddie Johnson talked about this. He said he remembered playing alongside Charles Barkley, and just to tell you that he, he felt that uh, Charles Barkley was really hypocritical because he said Charles Barkley was injured when he was playing with the Rockets on a playoff team refused to listen to the doctors and went out there anyway. And so we haven't heard comments from KD on, on what he felt, but it seems to me that he he wanted to play in that series, and, and he ignored some of the signs that his body was giving him. From what I'm told, he didn't have a great workout leading up to him, quote, unquote, being cleared to get out there during the finals, but he got out there anyway. So I, it's, it's difficult for me to say that doctors – uh, can get Kevin Durant to risk his career. But at the same time, if it is in fact true that Kevin Durant had not only the team doctor, but a second opinion from a personal doctor, and they both cleared him to play, then you know, on one hand, you could point the fingers directly at the doctor. On the other hand, we could just say, hey, it's something that would happen. And if you have a slight tear in a, in a calf muscle or an Achilles, it's the tear is not going to heal. You're going to tear it at some point, so either you're going to just totally sit out and not play anymore, or you're going to go ahead and play and, look, once, once you tear it, hey, you rehab. And so I, I think Durant was in a difficult position in this case. Yeah, he could have sat out. Kawhi decided to do so. Um, Kawhi also was 26 years old when he did so. And so uh, he had a lot more career to play for than Kevin Durant, 
who at this point, though he's still trying to cement his legacy, was a two-time champion um, and had proven what he needed to prove unless you, you, he was going to do it in some other market. So I, I think certainly uh, while those situations uh, could be similar, Kawhi Leonard, and rightly so, he proved that the San Antonio Spurs were wrong because there was a lot of people who had a lot of things to say about Kawhi Leonard, and whether it was Tony Parker, Bruce Bowen, David Robinson, uh, Greg Popovich, it seemed like uh, America quickly rushed to the side to to support the almighty San Antonio Spurs, who were thought to be one of the best organizations in basketball. But that happened. Mistakes made uh, are made, and San Antonio made a mistake by alienating Kawhi Leonard, and um, he made them pay by winning the NBA title. Yeah. What, what you got, East? Well, I got I got two um, parts on this. If you guys don't mind, I'll make it quick. I think some of it are the organization's faults, fault in the NBA. You get guys who are sent out of games where fans spend thousands of dollars to see certain superstars only to get to the arena to hear we're not playing because we're resting. Um, that brings kind of a soft mentality to the NBA, uh, according to fans. So they question a lot of injuries. Uh, you got the cameras filming KD walking, looking like there's nothing wrong with him uh, in the locker rooms and everything. And they're saying, man, he can play if he wants to. So, you know, I, I put a lot of it on the franchise, and I might be along on this, in the NBA because they protect these players so much because these are hundreds of millions of dollars investments for these owners. And the only way they get their money back is – if their superstars are healthy for years to come and producing. So I get that, but to me, I blame it all on Golden State on KD. I blame every bit of it. You cannot tell me if that quote-unquote source, which wasn't nothing but the Warriors front office putting it out there to force KD to play, if that didn't come out saying that the Warriors are getting frustrated that Kevin Durant is not playing, you cannot tell me that man was not going to play in this series. He wasn't going to play. He wasn't. I remember game three, the first game in Golden State. Golden State owner was on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith. And Steve, he was he, he actually just about said we were going to lose game three because he said Clay wasn't going to play. Yep. Stephen A. Smith asked him and said, do you think we'll see Kevin Durant in this series? He said, yes, I absolutely do. They lose game three. They lose game four. Now, all of a sudden, Kevin Durant is working out and practicing. Jalen Rose goes on national TV and say, Kevin Durant looked terrible in his workouts. A day later, he's playing. After it gets out in the media that the front office of the Warriors are being frustrated that he's not trying to go out there and fight for the team, you're damn right the Warriors blew his career. They did. They absolutely did. They did. And it was for their own selfish reasons. And for that and that reason only, if I was Kevin Durant, which I don't think he will, I'd tell Golden State, man, fuck y'all. Without me, y'all wouldn't have these other two rings. You saw what Stephen Clay did, right? Especially Steph. Especially Steph. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I would not resign. I put this all on the Warriors. Every bit of it. And those fake tears 
that the GM cried. You know, those yeah, tears that never came out of his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Miss me with that. That was guilt, bro. That was guilt. That franchise, that just adds another reason that I can't stand them. I put it all on the Warriors. And if I'm KD, I'll tell them, go to hell, man. I ain't coming back. Man, and that's, you bring up a good point. And honestly, what you're saying, you both brought up a great point about this whole thing. But I, I can't help but feel, you know, that the Warriors kind of push this. Okay, I'll ask you this. Even though it's ultimately up to KD, right, do you feel like they did, it almost seemed like deceptively, put pressure on KD? Like if you yeah, don't because, do this, yeah, 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 yes, they did because the man create fake Twitter burners. They know he is insecure about what people think about him. Yes, exactly. they play his weakness against him. That's what most people who are good at manipulating situations do. And most millionaires, let's keep it a hundred, they know how to sway situations into their favor. Hell, that's part of the reason why they're millionaires. So mm-hmm. yes, yes, and oh, one last thing, another reason why I like the Warriors. I wish Kyle Lowry would see one of the Warriors par owners in the streets and, and just knock his ass out. You go pushing people when you're protected by every police in the damn building. I bet he wouldn't pull that out in the streets. Go, go ahead, Justin. I just had to throw that out there. I hope the owner wouldn't pull it out in the streets. Uh, nah, nah, no. Look, Kevin Durant, um, I, I don't know. I've I, I said my piece about the, about the injury part. I, I, I just yeah. think it's one of those things that happened. I do think that the organization can bear some blame, but I also think Durant being the player who decided that he was going to suit up also bears some blame because it's his body, ultimately. He knows his body better than anybody. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it happened, and, and it's one of those things where uh, Rudy Gay tore his Achilles while playing. So did Kobe Bryant. So uh, at some point, players are going to tear their, their Achilles Uh uh, whether you do it early in your career, late in your career, whatever it happens, I don't know if it's something that you can just prevent. In this case, it, we assumed that the calf injury was an Achilles injury from, from the beginning, I, and and that was just based on the placement of the ice pack that Kevin Durant wore. But we also saw Clay Thompson tear his Achilles. So was it that, or, or is it the amount of mileage that Golden State has put over their bodies, on their bodies over the past three years? Every year, deep into the final. I think it makes what LeBron James did for eight consecutive seasons that much more amazing because we saw the bodies of the Warriors break down right before our eyes. And so um, I think that has a lot to do with it as well, just the number of games uh, that they played over those past three seasons, 100-plus games, and you're bound to, to get some injuries. And let's be honest, uh, Golden State was the beneficiary of playing against teams that were injured, whether it was that first Cleveland team. And so uh, even even when uh, they, they had battles with the Grizzlies in the playoffs, Tony Allen, I think, went down with an injury. Um, and so – Yeah, Grizzlies Mike Conley, won. Mike yeah. Conley with the uh, – He with broke the face. Yeah. <laughs> and so they've been, a benefit, they've been the beneficiary of injuries. So I think it was only fitting that they would go down uh, in the same way they, they gained uh, advantage early in their tenure with, under Steve Kerr. Well, 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 Justice, you, you, you're missing a, 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 No, I'm not sure if you're missing it. You're just not pointing it out. They lied, though, bro. Ain't no damn well there was never a calf injury. <laughs> they, they know that. That's true. That's true, man. That, that's what we all thought. That's what we all thought. No, no, we thought you, you that because we didn't go to school to be a doctor. They knew. 
you want to give the organization more credit in that they I don't had a guy coming off an injury in DeMarcus Cousins, but certainly there was internal pressure. Uh, we were hearing that sources were frustrated with his recovery, and uh, it all played out in Game Six. The source was Bar Myers going to 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 the Golden State media people and saying, "Hey, put this out." That was the source, and you know it, it's different. The reason why I'm so frustrated because this could have been prevented. Like, I'm not a huge KD fan. I'm not a fan of how he went to Golden State, but let's not get it twisted. That is bona fide, pound for pound, a top three player in the NBA. The guy can ball. Okay. This could have been prevented. This wasn't like Clay when he tore his ACL the other night. It was a freak accident. That was a freak accident. Danny Green was going for a block and Clay just fell on him. Okay. That's a freak accident. KD was, it was intentional by that front office, man. To me, it the was. The only thing I want to point out is if he had a slight tear, he it, the, the body's never going to repair a tear. You're going to tear the Achilles. So my question is, if he has that tear, he sits out all of the playoffs, he comes back, let's just say mid-next season, he still has a tear. So do you no longer play? Do you just sit out the rest of your career? Who, how do you prevent a player from tearing uh, an Achilles who already has an Achilles injury? That's fine and dandy, but that's not on the organization to put pressure on a pre- on a player to go do that. That's that's not on them. That's strictly upon KD's decision and his family. My problem is the way they went about it, and they went about it the wrong way in a very public manner to me. And they I, put I, out. I can, I can respect that. I, so I just want to point out that I don't think KD was ever going to heal his his Achilles, and that he was going to tear it at some point. Because to be honest. Uh, I don't. I don't think there was contact when he tore the Achilles. If you really look at it, Serge kind of gave him a knee. But to be honest, if if you go back and look at the tape, he had already ruptured that Achilles on a dribble before even making it to Serge. That was like the final step he took. But but he had already he had already ruptured that Achilles because he made a he made a, a dribble move to his right, and you just saw all his entire leg shake. Yeah, and, and, and so you know nothing about Achilles gonna, if your doctor's telling you it's a calf. He was going to tear it at some point, and even the first yeah. time he tore it, nobody made contact with him. I mean, it was just one of those things. So the the initial Achilles tear or calf tear or whatever it was, that injury was a freak thing in itself. I mean, Clay yeah. was running full speed in transition, and he got a shot block. To be honest. Oftentimes, we, we'll either see a player tear his ACL similar to Derrick Rose on a hard jump stop, or we'll see players that are in there uh, leaving their feet in transition. A player comes up, blocks a shot, or, or they come down on someone, and that knee just buckles. All the weight and pressure I, I, I goes one way, and, and the knee goes the other way. I've been in that position a million times going up dunking on cats, and I've been blessed to never have an ACL tour. The reason why I say it's a freak accident Clay's probably been in that situation a million times. Uh, we, we we can't say that that's just, oh, you go for a dunk on a fast break and somebody come block it, you're going to tear your ACL. Nah. But that's well, the it's case. just one of those scary things that people, people do it every player, every year. Yeah, but as a basketball player, we know. If if we get out there and play <laughs> and we're playing all out hard, there's a chance that if someone fouls us in, in transition or even goes up for a chase down block, if there's a lot of contact or – hey, if the players just get caught up, that there's a chance you can hurt your knee. I mean, that's why players get so upset when, when they're in transition and someone grabs it. 
or someone uh, comes down or comes under them because most players know that there's a chance that there can there could be a, a freak injury. Now, you're right. It was a freak injury, but so was the Gordon Hayward. We see these injuries, to be honest, more often than not uh, these yeah, days with the way the players are getting off the ground. Just as you, you, you – and I'm, I'm going to let it go, but that play is made ten times a game. We're pointing out two or three instances, uh, which is like once a year. That play is probably made a thousand times in a basketball season, just throughout games. So I get what you're saying, but, yeah, it's a freak accident. But what I'm saying on KD is just the malicious lying and and just really just devilment that that front office and organization poured on him from why I'm saying it was a calf, from putting out stuff saying sources within the locker room, saying people within the locker room, which wasn't nothing but the front office telling their media people to put it out saying that they were getting frustrated with him from the owner going on TV, putting pressure on him himself. Yeah, I fully expect him to play in this series. Not saying, well, we're going to have him examine more. We're going to let it be up to him. I expect him to play. Like, you're going to play. Like, that's where I disagree. I guess one of my comments is, do you think that the team doctors lied to him? Meaning that the team doctors, there was an institutional fix to tell him that he had an injury that he didn't have, meaning that the team doctors test him out. They know that he's got a uh, an Achilles injury, not a calf injury. Kevin Durant went out and got his own doctor. So how how does did his own doctor lie to him as well? That's my only question. I get I get the point about the pressure of the organization. I can agree. I think there was pressure both internal and maybe from some of his teammates, but. Did both the team doctors and Durant's personal doctor lie to him? I, I find that hard to believe. Cash rules every man. <laughs> That's true. I, I've heard that in a song somewhere. I just don't under, I, I don't see how Kevin Durant can go get a second doctor and who's independent of the team and the doctor corroborate what the Warriors are saying. That and this was the this was in quote, he can't injure the calf more than then, uh, now that was from right the now. team doctors. That was from yeah, the team doctors. That was from team doctors, I believe. That was from the team doctors. And that was uh, straight up terrible. Really, the whole thing, and I think we all agree on on most of this, of uh, the mismanagement was unbelievable on the Warriors' part. And um, but I think the the one thing we do disagree on, I think we could probably argue on this all day, is whether how much fault KD. Um, deserves in the situation, being that it's his body, as well. So we'll we'll see, but I think we see where we just you know where where you guys disagree. Look, if, I, if I'm wrong and KD did not have his own doctor, say so say that was a report that was out there that, that mm-hmm. we find out is not true, then I think yeah. it goes back to the fact that players may need their own doctors in, in a lot of cases because these team doctors. If that's the case, they're working for the team, so they're likely to. We know what happens in football, where a players get put out there. You know, they take a cortisone shot and they jump right in. But yeah, but yeah I know we got to get back to the free agency. This, this thing is is taking a life of its own with this KD injury. But uh, there's a there's a lot to blame to uh, point around. Absolutely, absolutely, man. And I think uh, it's been a great uh, great conversation on that issue, though, and that's an interesting part of just sports in general. Uh, when it comes to that dynamic, but as far as back on the free agency thing uh, here, on the on the local level, um, as, as far as Memphis is concerned, 
the Grizzlies have a, a situation uh, when it comes to Mike Conley as well. Um, how do you guys feel that whole thing is going to play out? Because you got the Grizzlies and the draft, the number two pick in the draft, a lot of people believe it's going to be uh, John Morant. Where is that going to leave Mike Conley? There's a lot of trade options on the table. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think would be the, the best scenario out of what we got right now? Well, well, well I'll go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. To me, we'll be right back. Stay tuned for a short commercial break before the next segment of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. I think they they need to trade him. I think that, uh, you know, he's requesting it in probably the most professional manner ever. But uh, I think he will get traded. And a trade that I'm hearing that I actually think that is it is going to happen uh, is Boston has struck out on Kyrie. They struck out on AD. They need a point guard. Kyrie is gone. Mike Conley getting traded for Gordon Hayward. This would be the most sensible trade for both. Uh, I think Mike Conley could be an all-star in the East. Boston gets a good point guard. The Grizzlies add much-needed shooting that Chandler Parsons never gave them. Now, their salaries match up perfectly for a trade. They can swap each other out. They both have high contracts. Okay. Yeah. I think this would be the perfect move for both. Now, you probably have to throw in a pick here if you're the Grizzlies, or you probably got to throw in another player here if Gordon doesn't make just as much as Mike. But I'm hearing this more and more. And I think this trade is actually going to happen. Uh, if I had to guess, I would assume Mark Cunley will be a Celtic next year. And if I'm the Grizzlies front office, I actually wait it out a little bit and see if Boston is actually going to jump on this one. Because they're not going to get a Jimmy Butler. They're not going to get a KD. They're not going to get a Clay. They're going to need to hold on to Tatum and Brown. And they're going to need to get a guy like Mike to try to keep that ship steady uh, out there in Boston. Interesting. Interesting. I guess uh... – Gordon Hayward will make up for the, uh, the you know, the white boy baller that we missed out on, you know what I'm saying, with Chandler Parsons. So we, we try to make up for the wrongs and get another one, you know, and hopefully that works out. He might have that. No, no question, no question now. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt either with the, all those young players. It fits well, he's a good. much better player than Chandler Parsons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pre- and post-injury, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, he just, you know, uh, Gordon Hayward's one of those guys who used to dunk on you. Uh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah. He, I just hate he, he, he suffered that injury because, I mean, he was a big game guy. He he, he was a guy who could make clutch shots uh, down the stretch. But certainly, I know the, the Grizzlies would probably love to get that Boston pick back that they gave them, uh, though I doubt Boston is going to get that up because that's likely to be a high pick. So I think mm-hmm. they have some other first-round picks that they're, they may be willing to part with. And so uh, if that trade does happen, it's a good destination for Conley in that he's going to have an opportunity to compete for uh, an Eastern Conference crown. And to be honest, I think he fits better with that group than Kyrie Irving does because we know Conley, not only is he capable of making shots down the stretch like a Kyrie, but uh, he's going to defer a bit more to, to guys like Al Horford and, and Jalen Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum. And I, I think Kyrie was just, he struggled with that. He struggled with leading those guys. Mike Conley has led both good teams and bad teams. 
So I think, you know, playing alongside or, or uh, having a Marcus Smart or, or a Terry Rozier uh, behind you, and I, I don't know if those guys are free agents or not, but I think it's a better situation for Mike than being stuck in Memphis playing alongside a, a group of guys that are basically rebuilding where at the end of the season most of the players on the team were uh, G League guys. And so I think Conley is going to be uh, a coveted free agent by a number of teams. We've heard about Utah in the past, also Indiana. Those teams each need good point guards. And so Conley's going to end up with one of those teams. But Boston is the team with the most assets to give up, especially when you look at the number of picks that they acquired uh, through trades throughout the years. Definitely, definitely. And that's, I think that's one of the important things, at least, you know, to me, is to get, if you can get another pick in this draft, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything um, at all. So, uh, or is, that, is it important to get another pick in this draft or later on in another draft? Just get some more picks. I don't, I don't think you could possibly go to Danny Ainge without getting hung up on saying, I want to give you Mike Conley for going ahead within the first round draft pick. Yes. I, I think we would probably have to be the ones giving up something else, uh, honestly. What do you think, Justice? I think the Grizzlies would have to put something else in that trade, but when you look at it, yeah. it's Conley's contract. It's the size of the contract. You're talking about moving $62, 63 $64 million. So something has to give on, on the Boston side. Hayward is the the only guy on that roster with that commands that type of salary. To be honest, I think actually Boston may have to put something else in there because Conley's contract is valued a bit more than Hayward, if I'm not mistaken. You got well, you, you're talking about players. We, we, we were talking about picks, though. I don't okay. think we'll get another pick with it. Other than one first-round pick? You don't think they'll get multiple first-round picks? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't think we'll get a pick, period. I think we'll get a, uh, a Hayward and, a, and oh, another man. filler to, to, to fill out the Hayward, Hayward and the throw-in. Yeah, yeah. You, Man, you probably, I don't know. You're probably right. I mean, I, I don't know. I think does, does Boston – I need to look up and see what other picks they have. I know Philadelphia gave them a pick in that Markel Fultz deal. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, just, that may be the pick that they're going to move, which would be a late first rounder, which would be less coveted than, say, that uh, Grizzlies pick from the Jeff Green deal, which is likely to be a top ten pick. True. Now, let me ask you all this, since we're on the Grizzlies. I, I, I just want to know this. So if we get this hypothetical speaking, if we get Gordon Hayward, um, we have John Morant. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. healthy coming back, and Jonas uh, Valanciunas has reconstructed his deal, uh, where he's working on a long-term deal. He he opted mm-hmm. out, but he's planning on coming back with a longer-term deal. Who's still young with the Grizzlies? Yes. Are the Grizzlies as far away? Norm Parsons will be coming off the books next year. That frees up some space. Are they that far off from being right back to possibly being a playoff contender? You know what? I'm going to jump out there first and just say the crazy stuff first, and I'll take the heat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, look, but for, for real, and you're probably not going to expect me to say this, but I actually think you're right. I think you're right because think about it. You got a star in John Morant, potentially. Of course, we're talking about potential. You got Jaron Jackson, who has all the makings of a star in this league, coming up together. You got a young head coach who, you know, reading a lot of things about him, you know, even though he's got the name of a, of a black man, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> which I think will give him, we'll give him more 
<laughs> we'll give him more credit, you know what I'm saying? But um, Mr. Jenkins, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's Mr. Jenkins or whatever. But all, all that being said, if, if things go well with John and Jaron, I mean, how could a free agent not want to come here? You know, I know it's not Los Angeles or whatever. I'm not saying you're going to get LeBron or Kevin Durant. But I think better players would want to come here. Jonas Valanciunas, don't sleep on that guy. And if you get Hayward, that's a former All-Star. Yeah, well, that's a solid team. Yeah, when you when you look at the Grizzlies and what they're spending right now, uh, they aren't getting a return. They were ninth in salary cap in 2018-19 at over 126 million. Now that dramatically drops in 2019-2020. So uh, this is (laughs) make or break in terms of. The Grizzlies really need to make good deals in the next couple of years uh, if they're going to get back to being a playoff team who made six, seven straight playoffs. But I, I think you're right, guys, in that they are much closer to being at least a playoff team in the West, uh, especially yeah. the way things have kind of broken open, if they can make some, some solid deals and some additions. You know, Dylan Brooks is, is going to be back with the team. Kyle Anderson's on that team. Uh, you got Jaron Jackson. You're going to end up drafting John Morant. Uh, I, I think Bruno Caboclo showed that he could be a, a rotation player as well as DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright yeah. is the guy they added in the trade outside of Jonas Valanciunas that I really liked. I think he recorded two or three triple-double down the stretch, and I don't uh, down the stretch of the season, I don't care who you are. A triple-double in the NBA is a triple-double. It's hard to do. And, and uh, DeLon Wright did it multiple times with the Grizzlies. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what type of moves they make. Um, in in not only free agency because I, I think at least right now they don't have the uh, the ability to be able to do so, but more so uh, through the draft and through trade. That's how they're going to have to build a team. Um, looking at it, the Celtics have the number fourteen pick via Sacramento uh, from a past deal. They also have the number twenty and twenty two picks in uh, this draft. So they've got three first round draft picks, and then. Outside of that, the only other picks they own are the Grizzlies picks and their own picks for the next three years. So uh, there are some picks that could be in play. I don't think Boston is going to want to take on three additional players. So I would very much expect them to trade Gordon Hayward along with possibly the 20 and or the number 22 pick. So let me throw this out there to y'all. Potential starting lineup. Uh, you know, let's just say, you know, if, if all this falls to uh, the way we expect. Um, John Morant, Avery Bradley, you know, who I think was much better than I expected him to be last year. I mean, he he had some amazing games. Uh, I know, you know, maybe you don't – you take it with a grain of salt, whatever, you know, but he, he's a good player. Uh, then you talk about what – Dylan Brooks, I guess, at the three. I don't know how that would work. Or Gordon Hayward, like you said, Gordon Hayward, possibly. Uh, Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas as a starting five. Not bad? Yeah. What do you think? That's that's not bad at all. And I think, you know, we, we put an asterisk uh, by Gordon Hayward. That's yeah, just absolutely. my opinion on what happened. But that, that, that deal actually has some fire to it. Yeah, it's uh, been It's been out there. And it picked up a lot last night. Uh, when AD okay. decided to go to the Lakers, you're going to have somebody in that three or two spot uh, because you're going to get something back from Mike Conley of value. You're going to get that. 
no matter how you look at it, whether it was going to be the Utah deal where we got Grayson Allen and Derek Favors and whoever else, like it's going to be somebody who you could potentially slide in that spot. So Dylan Brooks is going to have to come on strong. I agree. Yeah. Like we say he's got potential, he's busy, that to me this will make a break here. You're going to push through or not, or we can go and get you up out the door. Uh, that just is what it is. Avery Bradley, I would see how he does starting off because he did do really well, as you pointed out, uh, mm-hmm. once he got traded to us. But towards the trade deadline, if he ain't producing, get rid of him too. We're well, so got, look, Evan, before you move too fast, I, I want to point out that uh, the Grizzlies have about $41 million in available cap space, p- p- partly because Marcus Hall was traded and also because that uh, Valanciunas contract is off the book. Both Dylan Brooks and Avery Bradley are under team options. That means the Grizzlies could de- decline to to uh, extend Avery Bradley at $12.9 million, and also they could release Dylan Brooks. We know they've got a new ownership group, so nothing is set in stone right now. It, it's, uh, both of those guys could not be in Grizzlies uniforms when they open well, the tournament. I wouldn't bring back Avery Bradley. Mm. Uh, how much, uh, Justice? I'm sorry. $12.9 million. Uh, 13 years, Bradley, oh, you got to roll. Yeah, and then uh, Dylan Brooks, he, now he he had a cheap contract, 1.6 million. If they decide to bring him back, Delon yeah. Delon Wright has a qualifying offer that the Grizzlies can extend at 3.6 million. Which they so will. I, I, I think they'll do that because he he's a guy, a value player. But you you look at C.J. Miles, uh, he's owed 8.7 million in in what will probably be his final NBA season. I, w- I would suspect. Jared <laughs> Jackson. He, he, well, I'm man. saying, uh, oh, good lord, man. CJ Miles is in the uh, final class to, to declare from high school to the pros. He's been in the NBA 14, 15 years. Man, I can't, I can't suspect anybody else is going to bring him back after next year. <laughs> he wasn't that bad last year. <laughs> no, he was, at, he was actually solid, but I mean, you throwing him in the trash, man. That's like he had a dude career, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey he, was, he, he was born in 87. He's an old-timer now. Remember, he didn't go to college. He's been in the NBA for since, since 2005. Oh, man. Wow. That's about though, bro. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't know his contract. I'm looking at it now. 12.96. But see, so, that's what makes this yeah. thing so much intriguing, man. Like, yeah. you hear the cap space Justice talking about. Then you know you got Parsons, thank God, finna leave next year. Yeah. I mean, this thing, but this what happens when you draft correctly. This what happens yeah. when you don't make dumb deals, all right? Mm-hmm. This thing can open up really quick. I'm telling you, man, this team not as far off as people talking about three or four-year build, rebuild the stage. That might be the case, but if and this front office seemed pretty smart. They haven't done anything stupid. Not yet, no. This might not be a four-year turnaround. This thing might be turned around in two years. So, well, and, 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 and I think what's something that's interesting, listen yeah. to the fact that Evan just indicated this front office doesn't seem that stupid. They haven't really done anything yet, yet they're already changing perceptions. And that's what it takes in the NBA. If the Grizzlies, when you're looking at looking at 2021, uh, the 2020-2021 season, they would only have $44 million remaining on their books from players currently on the team. They're looking at having a sizable amount of money 
in free agency over the next couple of years. Once you get John Morant in there with Jan Jackson, if they can show some promise, then that's when you start to get those veterans who are in their early prime and they look to make a decision and, and come to your franchise. So uh, they've got a lot of options um, with a young team and a new young head coach. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to ask you real quick. And you can say what you're going to say too, Evan. But um, what do you guys think about the Taylor Jenkins hire? Um, you know, of course, not necessarily a big name, but he's getting a lot of, you know, good um, just reading different things from different people. He's, you know, gotten a lot of praise here and there. I don't think you call it nepotism, but I think he just he 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 was good good friends or got to know Mike Budenholzer. The guy really didn't have any basketball background at all. He was going to I think Pennsylvania University, and he was just in and he was in business school, and he decided you know he wanted to give it a try, gets an internship with the Spurs, and and the rest is history. But here's a guy who didn't know basketball from a coaching perspective as early as 2007, 2008. But I think it's it's one of those things now in the NBA, and I heard it on uh, NBA radio, guys who are analytics guys or who are seen as being player development guys, they come up under certain systems, they're around certain front offices, they're now getting chances to coach in the NBA. And he's a perfect example. Um Certainly he had experience with the Austin Toros coaching them and also uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. But uh, he's been under Mike Bootenholzer essentially for the past five years. And so that's really his his career in a nutshell. J.B. Bickerstaff, a guy who was fired by the Grizzlies, has much more coaching experience. Uh, X's and O's, uh, in-game preparation, uh, the, the entire gamut, and, and as well as uh, David Fisdale. So he's largely unproven, but that doesn't mean that uh, he can't end up being a good hire. You know, and I'm going to just say this before Evan says anything. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to knock it early. And I'm, like I said, hearing good things about him. But I think that's to be expected. I'm still, as much as I say things can turn around pretty quickly, on a, on a personnel standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, it can, uh, as far as talent and players. But I'm still waiting to see what this front office is and can do. Um, because right now, and it's not a knock in it per se, but to me, I just see a bunch of nerds. You got a bunch of nerds in there, uh, analytics nerds, and that's what the league's going towards, the nerd analytic movement. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, Rich Cho Rich probably wouldn't qualify as that, and neither would Tayshaun Prince. But no, Tayshaun's not. It's, it's Wexler. Yeah. Jason yeah. Wexler is, is the main guy that I think would follow that because he was on the Grizzlies business side. And, yeah. uh, so if he fails and if this uh, Taylor Jenkins experiment fails, then I think now you can put the blame directly on the shoulders of Robert Perry because before we would always blame Chris Wallace. Well, Chris Wallace is no longer the guy in Memphis. It's now Rich Cho, to be honest, along with Jason, Jason Wexler. Mm-hmm. And I'm forgetting the other guy who's the president of basketball operations. I'm forgetting his name. Kleinman. Zach Kleinman. <laughs> exactly. Which I feel weird about that also. But that's just me, man. I, I'm not a fan of nothing wrong with analytics, but I feel like there's a lot of other things around that. That could be a whole other podcast. But, Evan, what, what do you think? Well, you know, like just say, he said they really haven't done much, but they've changed the perception. And you guys might not believe it or not. I, I'm actually willing to give them a try. 
you know, the reason yeah. why I say this this front office doesn't seem to do anything dumb, when we got the number two pick, they just made it known, hey, we want John Moran. Man, Wallace would have had some of everybody and their mom in here working out. Like, we, we would have known until two minutes before we pick who we were going to get. Like, put it to bed, man. Quit being a clown show. This is what we want. Be strong and firm in your decision. So that's what I'm seeing with this front office early. And I can roll with that because we've been so helter-skelter over the last 10 years. It just seems it feels good to have some guys who just feel like, hey, this is what we want. Know what you want. If you're going to fuck yeah. up, fuck up big time. Just own it. All right? Mm-hmm. That's my thing. Don't come out here selling dreams after you to just drop the machine to beat with the number two pick, still telling us that we're going to make the playoffs next year. That ain't going to happen. And, and I, I just feel like this front office, with what they just showed me with John Morant, I mean, that right there, that is the right pick. And just coming out saying, hey, we're going to take our guy. Yes, we're going to try to trade Cullen. We're going to be active, but we're going to be smart in what we do. That, to me, is a jump forward than what we've been seeing the last five years. And as far as, as Coach Jenkins, man, the guy ain't even have a Wikipedia page. That means he finna come in, roll his sleeves up, ready to work. We ain't with no fame. We ain't with all the glamorous stuff. We ready to get in here and grind, man. I want to see who he's going to surround himself with, with assistant coaches. I would like to see a former head coach on his staff. I agree. Possibly. But I will, I'm willing to get a guy a chance. I like the direction that the Memphis Grizzlies are going in. I was upset that J.B. Bickerstaff got fired, but, hey, when you bring in a new front office, they're going to bring in their guy. You just got to deal with it. So I like where they're going, man. I'm willing to give it a try and see what comes out of it. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a good thing is no egos, no reputations. I mean, everybody's starting new. So everybody's going to be uh, on one accord on that standpoint. So we'll see, man. We got the change we wanted as far as the Grizzlies are concerned, and let's see where it goes. But as far as us, that's going to do it for us in this edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Man, another great edition, great conversation with the guys as always. Uh, and Justice Man, let the people know uh, real quick how they can follow all things Deliberation. They can follow us on Twitter at DeliberationSP1, Instagram and Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast. Also, we have the Facebook group, Deliberation Sports Community. And to subscribe, you can do so via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Podbean, Pocket Caster. Wherever you can find podcasts, it's likely the Deliberation Sports Podcast will be available. That's it, man. That's it. So, without any further ado, that's going to do it, man. Of course, I am Josh Midget, along with uh, my guys on the Deliberation Sports crew, Evan DeVold and Justice Bolden, and we will talk to you all next time.